The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. Hi guys, I am Macca19 and this is the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast coming to you live once again on Port Fan Radio. And joining me as co-host, as usual, we got Fishing Rick. How are you, mate? Hey, hey Macca! What's going winners on? Are, winners are gritters! They certainly are. Happy days! This will be a much more enjoyable podcast this week than it was the last few weeks, that's for sure. Oh, thank Christ for that. It's getting more of it. That's it. And look, back on the podcast, once again, we've got Dylan 8. How are you, mate? Good, thanks, mate. How are you guys going? Good, good. Very good. Yes. Yep. It's probably the first time I've come on after a, after a win. It never seems, to, never seems to happen. I always hit the form slumps, so <laughs> the curse is shattered. Have you been on before? Jeez, Rick. <laughs> when did you come on last? <laughs> I think last time yeah, I three weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, you went around. Yeah. We had Harold Oliver filling in for you, so yeah, that was a great time without you. See, I <laughs> yeah. wasn't there, Macca. That's why. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Well, let's get straight into it, boys, and uh, talk about our love and our hate for this week. Rick, do you want to start us off, mate? Yeah, for sure. What did I love? I I loved many things this weekend, but um, I think I loved the fact the most that we had more composure, Macca, which I'm sure we'll talk about in detail, so I won't go on about it too much more, but instead of running around like headless chooks, um, yeah, we used the ball properly in that second half of the game. So I was very, very happy with that. And uh, my hate, I'm going to go the traditional biased um, supporter, and I didn't really like the umpiring at all. I, um, I thought they started the game pretty poorly by the standard, which was very, very soft with their free kicks. Uh, For example, the Jay Shields free kicks, which I know you can argue was there. I'm not disagreeing with that. But, I mean, you see that stuff get let go all the time. And uh, But they set the standard. And obviously, as the game wore on, that standard seemed to be more towards Melbourne as a team than it did Port Adelaide. So, like the Bernie Fitz sling... Uh, where he dropped the ball, got a free kick. Two minutes later, Ollie Wines doesn't even have the ball, gets slung out of the pack, uh, no free kick. Angus Montfries gets pushed in the back, no free kick. Um, and I could just go on and on. Um, so the umpiring sucked. On the it's a bit girly, though. mate. I think you could probably come up with something a bit harder than that. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> on the flip, though, that... Um, that- Blocking a, a marking contest rule was finally paid uh, for us. We yes. actually got a free kick out of that new That's rule. True. That's the first time I've seen it paid outside of mm. against us. So no, it was good to see that paid for Jay. You got to go out of that. That's right. Which one was that? That's the blocking. Uh, there was there was about five guys around the ball. You know the rule that they introduced this year. Yeah. Where if you if you block a mark, yeah, something like that. If you block mm. a mark, then you get penalised. Something like that. So that's 1-4 and about 10 against, so yeah. a bit of catching yeah. up to do, but uh, a good start. And that's Rock 11 off. paid in total across the league. No one else seems to get that rule to <laughs> games. Very true. Well, Dylan, what was your love and hate, mate? 
I loved it. I loved a lot. Um, there was a lot to love about this week, as opposed to absolute rubbish it has been the last few weeks. So, um, yeah, I think I'll go with um, the Carway Mon goal. The um, the real steadier and a, a real lifter, I think, because it was such a such a hard shot, and for a, what is it's his first full game. To nail that from that ridiculous angle and a set shot, that was huge by him. Yeah, agree with that. It was a gripper goal and yeah, certainly got us started, which was fantastic. And I think I've spoken about Carl on a million times on this podcast. I love him. I reckon he's going to be a great player. Yep. Yeah, and uh, Janus was talking about the lead-up to the goal as well, which was um, how composed we were with the ball. As you said, Rick, just composed. Instead of bombing it into the 50 to a flooded back line, we just chipped it around, chipped it around, and then found Kyle, which is, it was good. Yeah, it's good to see. Um, my hate, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know what to hate. Probably just say the first quarter. Um, it was reminiscent of the last few weeks. Just looked like we were going to lose again. I was pretty pessimistic after that, but um, yeah, I'm glad we, glad we managed to turn it around because. We were definitely up shit creek again. It was looking grim. I was texting Macca going, oh my God, that eight goal prediction's looking pretty true. I was, I wasn't, and I wasn't very happy that I was going to be right. So, yeah, it wasn't. It did, wasn't. did you pick Melbourne in your tips? Yeah, I did actually. Oh! Well, you well, get onto, that's all right. Get onto the forum and start point scoring about it and saying how good it was, how you, how you picked the loss. <laughs> picked like the- a certain few. Yeah. Well, I ended up being wrong, so... Um, happy yeah. days. Yeah, yeah, so I'm, I'm, glad to be, I'm glad to be wrong. So They actually kicked into gear sooner than what I expected. I, I thought we'd, we'd come home with a wet sail, lose, but bring in the momentum for this week against the Bulldogs, so, yeah. Okay. Mm. Interesting. Look, my love this week uh, was just the way we completely dismantled Melbourne in that second half. You know, I thought it was a masterclass from top to bottom. You know, the midfield was winning clearance after clearance. You know, we're getting into getting it into the forward line really quick. Um, and it was, I thought it was quite a cohesive forward line. Lots of diverse options dominating. You know, our tolls were taking marks. Um, our smalls were kicking goals. It was fantastic. And I thought the coaching moves uh, made down back work to treat as well. And Look, I think for the first time this year, the coaches delivered, and um, and it was really the coaching moves that won us the game. Yep, no, no bump for the Voss thread this week. I haven't seen so. The coaches must be doing something all right. That's it. Totally agree with that. Um, yeah, and you're right about the defence. And how good was Jack Homsch? Again, definitely up there in the BNF this year. He's a star. I think he's coming second in my votes that I do after the after each game. So he's had a monster year. Yeah, you'd probably pick Robbie Gray for miles ahead and then Homsch and Pittard. Yep. Homsche! What a legend. Camacho. Oh, Camacho. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, oh, you know, I joke around about that, but I actually love Camacho as a player. I do he's too. Just, I do he's, too. he's just in not the best form at this point in time. I like, I like the Oshizzi. Give him the, the finals MVP, I reckon. The finals MVP. Tip him for the Norm Smith when he gets back in the team every year. Absolutely. I've got a camo show match worn Guernsey. I just wish I could fit in it. (laughs) Basically. (laughs) Not a skinny, tall, wanky bloke. 
I tried, remember mm. when I posted up here, I, I tried to fit into uh, Jackson's uh, match-worn top and I got a nasty text message back going, you're stretching good gear, man. <laughs> I, got the, I got the message. <laughs> That's it. Very true. Look, my hate this week was uh, fading against Glenelg. I had to search for a hate this week. There wasn't much to hate, but yeah, fading against Glenelg. Would have loved to have smashed them. That's all I can pretty much think of this week. You know, we were 43 points up at halftime. We... St- we kept them scoreless in the first quarter. Uh, I think many were thinking it was going to be another hundred point thrashing to uh, to the Bays, but um, you know they fought back and was, you know being probably too close for comfort in the end. Yeah, you know, you know, you're really scraping the bottom when it's a a win over Glenelg as you hate, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Absolutely. So was well, it? A, I was just going to say, was there a good crowd there for the game, for the celebration and everything? No, not really. No? No. That's a bit shameful. All right. Anyway, I cut you off, so on your way. That's all right. I was just going to go uh, straight into the review of the AFL game this week. Do it. So it was round nine, and uh, Port played Melbourne on Saturday in Alice Springs and came away with a a pretty dominant 61-point win, 18-goal-7 to 8-goal-6. Uh, Schultze back in form with four goals. Gus Monfrey slotted three in his 200th game, played an absolute ripper. And uh, Westhoff and Wingard kicked two each as well. Um, it wasn't all smooth sailing, so I figure we might as well talk about the first sort of 30 or 40 minutes of the game to start with, um, where we were 24 points down, not looking great at all. Um, what was going wrong in that first half? Everything. We weren't winning the ball, um, especially in the first quarter and a half. The commentators were banging on about the discrepancy in contested possession around the pack, and it was was just really clear and because we weren't winning any of the contests um, the boys just looked really slow and, and flat footed second to the ball and I don't know about you guys as we were joking around earlier it was looking uh, pretty bloody grim I thought wasn't looking great that's for sure I was uh, quite concerned um, when they started piling on the goals in the second quarter I thought oh here we go again and I guess it, it it was one of those games where you could almost tell from the start that we weren't switched on. I mean, what was it, about two minutes into the game and Justin Westhoff has the ball and starts finger-pointing whilst he's running about 45 metres and gets cold for running too far. And, you know, Jay Schultz uh, giving away the free kick on the goal line and all that sort of stuff. You just thought, uh, today's not going to be our day. You know, I just got to say, I, I really disagreed with that Westhoff run too far. I reckon the umpire paid it on time more than actually running. Because uh, it didn't look like he ran more than 15 minute metres to me. No, I reckon he ran about 25. <laughs> you reckon? Yeah. yeah. No. He, he took quite a few steps. I got a message from... Sorry, Dylan, I'll just say this quickly. Um, Al tw- uh, sent me a message privately saying that the reason uh, uh, we were so woeful in the first quarter and a bit was because we were soft cobras. I'm not actually going to use that word out. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I, well, thought yeah. the co- I thought the Cobra was all right in his week back, so... Yeah. No, he was. Um, good. We were probably quite soft, though, in that um, in that first sort of quarter and a half. And, you know, it just looked like one of those days. I mean, we were getting thumped in the middle. You know, our forward line was an absolute mess. Our defence was turning it over again. Um, you know, there was no run, there was no composure, there was no contested game. I mean, it just looked like an absolute mess. 
Yeah, and I, I really wasn't confident about this game because, you know, obviously last year we struggled against Melbourne as well. Paul Roos just seems to, you know, know how to how to beat our fast attacking footy with his... Well, there's been enough said about his footy, so I thought, yep, it's it's happening again. Um, free kicks going against us. Uh, that Schultz won, obviously, then... Mumba kicking goals and celebrating the way he was. It was just, oh, I was just I was preparing for the worst, really. Mm. But yeah, credit credit to the guys for turning it around. Well, I don't reckon um, I don't reckon Melbourne flooded the pack as badly as what they did last year at the contest around the ball. That was really what started our demise. So um, mm. you know, teams just flooding that condensed area and they did leave a little bit open and um but yeah we we really just struggled with transitioning and and any play general play even blocking a team play just seemed we were second to everything and uh yeah it was looking woeful but you could sort of see after they got to that 38 14 point margin um we did start to arrest control back in the game, and even though it wasn't reflective on the scoreboard, we were starting to get the possessions back in, in line, and and uh, you could see a bit of a momentum shift in the game. Yeah. I think their structure sort of fell apart a little bit after we got the run on. Um, I think they sort of panicked or lost their way, and of course we started using the ball a lot better and a lot more composed. I think they weren't really expecting us to get our act together in that sense. And so that, mm. yeah, that helped a whole lot. Yep. And you can see they were fighting. They were fighting. I mean, that prime example oh, where, yeah. where Schultz got that free kick, there was five guys around him in Melbourne jumpers. Yeah. I mean, he was lucky to get the free because of that rule. Mm. But they were obviously, they were all around it. Any tweets, Macca? Uh There is a couple um, from good old Crazy Big Al. I'll just bring up uh, Twitter once again. Um... Yeah, he said we were soft campaigners. Um, he also says Rick admits he was wrong. Wonders never cease. Which well, is, I've got uh, it, which is very true. I've got to say it's not very often because normally if I don't know the answer, I'll keep my mouth shut. Um, so uh, that's that's reduces the odds. Fake it till wrong. you make it, Rick. That's exactly right. But uh, yes, I, I was wrong. Anyway, we we can continue on. Mm. Well, look, why can't we get motivated when teams put us under pressure like uh, what happened in that first quarter? <laughs> Were we not motivated, though? Do you think it wasn't I don't, motivated? I don't think so. I thought we were playing pretty slow and soft. boring football. Oh No, I'm not necessarily soft. I, I just think we were playing boring football. You know, we were just chipping it around. There was no interest. No one was running. No one was leading. There was no is that, creativity there. Is that there. motivation or is that, um, is that a fitness thing or a tactical thing, trying to preserve energy maybe? Um, I don't know if no, it's no, I motivation. I just think we look sluggish. We look really sluggish and you know, just like void of any sort of options. That's been a consistent theme in our slump, though, and a, a lot of questions have been raised about the fitness and if it's if it's gone too far this year. Well, it was highlighted in the in the commentary uh, through the second quarter before we made our charge. How all the port boys had their hands on their head and were sucking in the big ones, and uh, you know, comparing it to previous season where they uh, where we didn't have that issue at all. Um, you know, and so it was starting to make people wonder: Is there a, a fitness? Uh, issue with the comment uh, through the commentators, um, but then we seem to find our run. So uh, uh, who knows? Uh, yeah, I just think I just think we were flat-footed. I, I think yeah. I don't know if it was. A, I don't think you could be an AFL player and unmotivated. Yeah, I mean, how, 
How could you be unmotivated for this game? Coming in with three losses, finals on the line, you maybe they were over overstimulated Macca. Maybe it was the opposite. Maybe there was too much pressure um, they were placing on themselves to the point where it was actually restricting their creative game style. I think the heat and the the sort of location would have um, compounded the if, if you suggest there's a, a fitness problem, then it would have probably compounded it. I mean, you can see by the end of the game how absolutely knackered everybody was. That that heartless free-kicking goal at the uh, at the end of the game just sort of showed it when McDonald wasn't even moving. Heartless just lays the laziest tackle and still gets the hold in the ball free. Yeah. Mm. You, you could tell how absolutely knackered they were. I wonder what the listeners out there are thinking because there is a few people out listening. So tweet in or... Or call us or Facebook us what you uh, what you think uh, was going on with the boys in that first half. But the thing that I really noticed, which create started to create our turnaround, boys, was um, not the fact that we stopped playing girly, um, but the fact that from our defensive fifty, instead of just playing on at all costs and or the, kicking it to a person who didn't then instantly um, played on at all costs. We actually were a little bit more patient with the ball. And uh, so we chipped the ball around, um, even with the transition, when the transition was blocked, um, we, we chipped it around a little bit slower until we hit a player that was free. And then that player then took off. So we, instead of trying to make things happen, we waited until we were in a position for it to happen. And by doing that, it also allowed our forwards, once we retained or attained possession, to get forward of the kickers properly, which allowed us to have some sort of forward structure. So I think, yeah, I think the boys just relaxed and instead of trying too hard, actually just played how they know how to play and, and then it all came to them. I think it is a... It did a, seem a, to just click. It's, a, it's got to be a, a game plan change. Um, someone said that, I wasn't listening, but um, someone said Ollie Wines said on 5AA this afternoon that it was, they were practicing a different game plan over the preseason and he thinks it's starting to click. And um, you can probably see that in the way that it was pulled off today, that the kicks aren't as long, it's more chippy, and you can see it against the free, against Fremantle in round one. And that was the sort of second game plan we're trying to play or you know the plan B. I think maybe we're trying to actually pull it off now, and we actually are pulling it off, even well, Porsche, if it has taken us that many rounds. Porsche tweeted in, Hi, Porsche, thanks for listening. Um, Neil Craig had two good years as head fitness coach, coach at the Crows before they went to poo. Is it a common thing for a given regime, perhaps? Probably not, because Andrew Russell was, um, has had Hawthorne up the top in terms of fitness for... You know, probably a decade now. So. But did he ever... When did he leave? 2004? 2004, yep. So did he have... Uh, yeah, did he have a bit of a drop in uh, performance so in the short term um, over at Hawthorne? I guess. Yeah, the tell when they were playing a absolutely garbage and basically yeah. tanky. Yeah. 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 You couldn't really be able to tell. If he's, if he's still around and he's still working with the you know, back-to-back yeah. premiership team, you'd, you'd think he's probably doing all right. Mm. He's probably this is this is off port. I was just going to say he's probably one of the most underrated off-field support people going around in the game. Yeah, you don't hear a lot of uh, press about him, really, do you? But um, no, you know, I think, I think he's done really wonders for Hawthorne. 
You don't really hear oh. about fitness guys though, unless it is a Burgess who he's probably the highest profile guy, except for what's it was a Dean Robinson. Yeah, Burgess is probably mm. the highest profile guy out there. True. We've had a few other tweets. Um, Bevan's tweeted in his love and hate, which is uh, his love is the passion of Chad and uh, beating Paul Roos for the first time in a while. And uh, his hate was uh, his blood pressure in the first quarter. Got to agree with that. Um, Scott has also tweeted in and said that um, he had the club song on his phone since the showdown. He deleted it in the second quarter and, you know, we never looked back. So hashtag no club song on phone, which is, uh, <laughs> which is also true. And Elaine has tweeted in and said, uh, surely the heat and the hard ground had an effect on Saturday. Yeah. Was it that hot, though? I mean, they said it was 24 degrees. Surely, uh, I'd rather, I'd imagine the boys would rather play in that than uh, up in Darwin in the humidity. True. But I guess it is a little bit different to what we're playing down in here. So, yeah. This is a Thursday night discussion, but hopefully it doesn't affect us <laughs> um, for, thir- uh, for Saturday. I think we should be right. Look, let's talk about the second half. Um, obviously, halfway through that second quarter, things started to click. Um, you know, we won a few clearances, got some frees up forward. Suddenly the game changed and was played on our terms um, and we didn't really relent for the rest of the game. Um, I mentioned with my love that um, our coaching moves and I I really do think that the coaches had a massive part to play in us winning this match. Um, What were some of the coaching moves that uh, you liked, Rick? Well, one I liked was getting Carlisle off of Hogan. um, Yep. Because Bobby must still be carrying some sort of injury. I just... He was fantastic pre-injury and probably the informed defender. And I remember we were talking about him actually um, uh, being not recognised in the media for his defensive roles. And since he's come back... To be fair, Jack Frost was absolutely tearing up Joe Danaher and other assorted 20-game KPFs. But I I guess not to uh, be recognised in that group, though, was probably a bit... Uh, poor by media experts but anyway coming back from injury he's seems a little bit slower um, he's trailing in behind those key forwards quite a bit and um, not actually getting the spoil in like he was before injury so I, I do think that maybe our Pate is carrying something so getting him off of Hogan and putting Hom- was a Homsch that went on to him was a fantastic yeah. move um, absolutely really I, thought, I thought Carlisle um did a great job after he went off of Hogan. He went to Cam Peterson and completely shut him out. And he was someone that was um, tearing us apart as well um, in that sort of first quarter and a half. And I, I think both those moves changed the game. Yeah, absolutely. And then I guess the other one would have been Boak on, uh, on Nate Jones, the obvious one that um, uh, Ken Henkley pointed out post-game, which was quite interesting because he said he never uh, or doesn't like to isolate... Um, uh, individual players, but and I thought you were quite controversial with your uh, top five, with your comments. You thought he was deplorable in the first half, Macca. I did. I thought he was really poor in the first quarter and a half, and I thought that was probably the worst sort of quarter of footy I've ever seen by Travis Boak. But I did say, but his uh, <laughs> his second half was probably better than anyone else's on the field. So he mm. certainly made up for it, but just missed out on my top five. Because there was better four-quarter four players, I thought. On the yeah, and, and that's important. But, yeah, so they were... And, I mean, he did a great job on chopping out uh, Nate Jones, though, who, who he always does pretty well against us. So, uh, um, yeah, 
So I thought they were two of the, the key matchups. And, and moving yep. Brad Ebert into the midfield, um, yep. which seems strange, doesn't it? Putting Brad Ebert in the midfield, who would do that? Geez, that's mm. amazing. Well, he doesn't, often, uh, he doesn't often play as a centre-square midfielder, Brad Ebert. So it was interesting to, to see him play there and, and pick up so many clearances. He, that was probably... That was going to be one of my questions that I'll ask later, so I might keep it for that. But um, a couple of the other moves I thought helped change the game was Pittard and then Jonas went on to a Garlet. Um, Impey moved off him, and you know Garlet was sort of um, you know kicking quite a few goals there for a while, and uh, and I thought Jonas did a great job in shutting him out. And Impey ended up going to Tumpus, who was beating Pittard at the time as well. And I thought um, both those changes helped change the game too. Can I just talk quickly about one of the one of that matchup with? Pittard and uh, Garlic, where Garlic kicked that second goal where he ran into goal. Um, I thought Al was very unfair on uh, Pittard with that passage of play because um, Jasper was sort of stuck there waiting for the ball flat-footed and, and Garlic tapped the... and Gar- well, sorry, Garlic came at full pace. So unless Jasper got a, a great bounce, which he didn't, he was never going to be able to beat Garlic, who was coming in at full pace. And so on the surface, you blame... You blame Pittard for letting Garlett run into an open goal, but really it was the defender and Tom Jonas not blocking and protecting Pittard, uh, which resulted in Garlett getting the ball and then running into the open goal. So, Al, I thought you were pretty unfair and very critical of Jasper for that period passage of play. The Jasper-Pittard defence force has arrived. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> right. Don't, sure. don't mess with Jasper. I'm sure Schultz and Fess would love a word about you bad mouth and Tom Jonas, though. Well, not bad-mouthing Tom, Tom Jonas. I just thought he was a bit lazy there. That's all. Mm. Oh, fair enough. Completely different. Well, look, the game was pl- uh, played on our terms after that, and you know we just uh, we never looked back. I think we kicked sixteen out of eighteen goals, and you know completely dominated the second half. And who were some of your best players? Dill. Oh, yeah, I don't know. It's pretty hard to single him out. Um, you think Robbie Robbie Gray was around the mark again? Um, his highlights package was pretty much standard for him these days. But there was that great shot of him running down the wing with the ball in one hand and him waving it around and pointing his finger before just laying it off with a an absolute ripper forty meter pass to the chest of Matt White to keep the goal. So. Mm. The stuff he does, and that, that handball to Paul Stewart all on the ground, uh, you know, he, it's it's incredible the stuff he does. I mean, yeah. if if Fife if Fife wasn't a, you know, already so far ahead in the Brownlow, it would be Robbie Grace to take. He's just that good. Yeah, he, I think he's definitely the most attractive footballer in the league at the moment. Both in terms of the fact that he's a sexy beast, but also <laughs> just the, the way that he plays football is just incredible. I mean, the things he does. I mean, just the, the takeaway clearances that he has with complete regularity, um, you know, the insane skills, the fact he can pinpoint passes, you know, like he did with that one-handed sort of showboating stuff. I mean, it's just incredible. I, I think he's probably, yeah, it's probably only Nat Fife is better than him in the league at the moment, you'd have to say. Yeah, with Gary Abbott out, surely. And, yeah, uh, you, you see how good he's going, you think, I reckon Hamish Hartlett has about as much talent as him. Natural, natural football talent, and oh, no doubt. Mm. And yeah, it's I don't know. So watching him is a bit disappointing when you think how good it could be if he was living up to his full potential. Yeah. In midfield with with Robbie Gray in tandem. Yeah, but Hamish doesn't get that much midfield time. 
That's I think that's part of the problem. But I mean, when you look a bit deeper into his game, his um, his stats weren't as horrendous as what we all think. It's just that yeah, I don't know. It, it's I think we yeah. spoke about this not long ago, Macca. It's just I don't know. For some reason, he's unassuming. But he got twenty disposals, nine tackles. He gets his twenty touches every week. Yeah. But it doesn't it doesn't hurt too much. I thought he was better this week than he has been in previous weeks. It's probably the best game he's played since uh, since the Hawks game. He found his say, he's but... found his kick again a little bit. He's been kicking yeah. a bit better this week. But he's still he's still delivered quite a few sort of shanks as well. But I don't know. Yeah. I almost think he tries to kick it too hard sometimes. Yeah, and that's the thing. Is it, does he have a a really good kick, or does he just have a very long kick? Um, but I do think I he think, does have a, a very good yeah. kick. He, he might yeah, I, th- I think he's got a very good kick. I think sometimes he just tries to kick it too low and too hard, and ends up sort of being a bit of a worm burner. Mm. Oh, no. He's good. He's he's a perplexing player. It becomes quite the conundrum, Macca. That is a what conundrum. Do, what do we do? Do we do we look at him as a trade material, or is he someone that we just persevere with? The issue is, I think, that if we do ever make a grand final, he's the sort of player that will have 28 touches and kick four goals and you know be best on ground sort of thing. Mm, kind of like was, choppy pick it was. It was very was, good. But... It was very good in the, in the final series last year as well. Yeah. It was just about best on against Fremantle. Did a lot of good stuff against Richmond, but everyone did. So what did you there, guys... There's a, lot of, there's a lot of positives towards trading Hamish Hartlett for uh, you know maybe a ready-made sort of key forward or someone like that that could... You know, change a game, but you know it's kind of the whole you know trade him at your peril because you know that he'll, it'll possibly bite you on the bump. Oh, well, here's yeah. a scenario for you, right? You've got uh, West Coast with an oversupply of tools, and they came knocking on your door and said, "We like Hamish Hartlett. We'll give you Darling." Uh, you'd oh, jeez, mm, oh, you you you. Oh, in, in, in terms of, of in terms of structure, you'd probably do that, but I don't know. It's uh, yeah. it would be a tough call to make. We could we could talk about this forever though, and it has been debated <laughs> to death, hasn't it? <laughs> mm. Mm. Just putting it you, out Rick? there. Uh, <laughs> I'm getting told to stop talking crap. I've got our our's fired up and angry tonight. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, I. Uh, I, I thought Travis Boat, I'd give him best on the ground. I'm not as uh, judgmental and, and hard as you are, Macca, but that's why you're the, you're the expert and, and get the written kudos that you do. Your, your views are better than ours. So, But, um, yeah, I thought he was up there. Homch, I thought I had a great game. I, I really did. And we sometimes, and Catherine's just tweeted in saying that um, he was up there as well. And I've got to agree with that. I mean, we forget about the uh, the key defenders sometimes and the influence that they have. Um, so, yeah, I would have gone Boak, Homch, uh, Robbie Gray, um, and then and Brad Ebert. And then I, I probably would have gone uh, Jay Shields for his uh, forward presence and his goal kicking. Uh, yep. Obviously, the, the painkillers weren't being used this week and no numb foot. And, uh, yeah, he... Uh, yeah, all good. And uh, interesting that Portia is with me. Thanks, Portia. I miss you on Big Footy. You need to come back because uh, she said Darling before the, the darling before they finished the sentence. 
It's a good call. It's an interesting trade scenario, that one. It is. But much better than your uh, much better than your talk about Lobie being worse than Warnock. But uh, leave leave that one for another day. Now, now you're putting words into my mouth. (laughs) Porsche would trade Mm. half the list, though, if she could. So this is true. And how ask about it with her radical uh, trade views? And how it's not a. useless or irrelevant topic. It's actually a, a relevant topic because Hamish Hartlett is one of those bi- bipolar players in the spectator's eyes where some people want to keep him and think he's great and others think that he's not as good and potentially the, he holds good tradable value and that's just the modern world of football. Yep. I like the Very props true. for um, Jack Holmes though. I'm um, just going back to the game. Because he was probably our only actual performer in the first quarter, when everyone was shitting the bed, um, he was he was a real presence and sort of held up down back. And even when he gets up on the wing, he's he's such a good user of the ball too. Like he's such a good rebounder. So I, I think you know, how how did GWS manage to get rid of this guy? I mean, I mean that's the sort of trade that wins your premiership. So mm. he's so composed. He's so defensively. Perfect. He's so he's so good at getting the fist on the ball and shutting the bloke down. You know, you move him onto their most dangerous forward. He's he's basically our, our default option now for the best forward. Yeah, because he's got the athleticism and he's got the power to go with him. But he can also rebound. Yeah, I couldn't stop singing this guy's praise. And it's not me typing for the record, Macca. Sure, sure. <laughs> I promise. Yeah, well, he's our he's our best um, key defender at this point in time. Isn't he? I'm form. Yeah. So, uh, which does, and I'll, I won't, I'll just pose this, I don't expect an answer, but I think it's something that might come up over the next few weeks. Can, are we able to, to carry maybe Jackson and Alipade both as key defenders? You know, is really Jackson maybe the next fullback to take over from Alipade? And uh, yeah, it's just something that I'm starting to mull over. But I'm sure once we're fit and firing in full form, that question will just disappear into the ether. Well, how did you guys see Cleary's game? Because I didn't really notice him a lot, to be honest. I, I thought he was really good. Yeah, I, I thought he was good, but I didn't see him a lot. But he, he was playing. Was, who was he playing on? I just can't even remember. Was it Dunn? Was it Lyndon Dunn? No, nah, Dunn was playing a fullback. He, he played oh, pretty much the whole game on Jeremy Howell and kept, um, kept Howell on almost Howell. kickless for... A very, very long time. And, and Jeremy Howe's a player that can tear you apart if you give him sort of half a chance. But I think he was uh, he only had something like one handball to half time. So Cleary defensively absolutely tore him to shreds. Um, I guess I the issue with Cleary is that um, he'll need to find some sort of attacking part of his game. And you know, I thought his skills were pretty good, but um, probably could have rebounded a bit more when he got it. I thought he was a little bit stagnant sometimes, but... Yeah, it's only his second game, and he'll get uh, used to the pace of the game at some point. But yeah, I thought he was uh, very impressive. Very, very impressive. That's exactly right, Macca. He's probably uh, a little bit in his shell as a defender to um, to be running off too far from uh, from players, and uh, probably that's probably what held him back. Unlike 
Buddy Homch, who just gets the ball and goes, I'm going. And I think that's what's amazing about him, isn't it? He just doesn't yeah. care. I'm going to break every tackle that's in front of me and I'm just going to run like a madman And uh, when he takes the ball. so But I liked Cleary. I thought he showed a lot of composure and uh, was a, you know, start, took a few marks and uh, distributed the ball well. And, uh, yeah, look, I think the more games he plays, it's a bit like this whole Sam Gray conversation, isn't it? The more... The more games they play, the more composure they've got, and, oh. uh, and then it goes from there. I guess the thing that I noticed with Sam Gray, if we just switch to him quickly, is that yep. uh, with Sammy, um, I did notice this week, I thought I cut him some slack last week, and for one, I'm not actually say, advocating I want him out of the side just yet, but I did notice that he, he did get caught with the ball quite often. Um, so he does seem to lack that little... That half a second that your quality players like um, Travis and Robbie and, and all those top end players have in, at this game. And uh, so I think that if he's going to save his career, he needs to find himself that extra half a second. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, look, I don't mean to sound too harsh, but I don't really want Sam Gray on the list next year. I don't, I don't think he's really got that, that upside at all. Um, yeah, I, just, I don't think he's worth really persevering with. I think maybe when yeah, when Pollock comes I mean, back, it's really hard to say. When Pollock comes back, he'll probably take his spot. Um, I'd rather we just keep playing guys like Carl Amon or Aaron Young, who actually, you know, have got heaps of upside and a lot of, and they actually fit in at AFL level. Hmm. And of course, there's Andrew Moore as well. Yeah, I just I don't see where Sam Gray is in our future, and him getting games is sort of, I don't really like it. To be a bit harsh. Yeah. So it's it's hard to say with Sam Gray because I think back to when we picked up Josh Marnie and I thought why the hell would we pick up Josh Marnie he ended up you know having quite a large part to play in a premiership and I think Sammy Gray's probably a quite a similar sort of player in that you think on face value you think well is he really going to make it at this level and your first thought is probably not but you never know you, you do never know and I thought that was probably his best game for a long time at AFL level um I thought late in the piece he, he probably struggled a little bit with the pace of the game and he was making some silly errors and as you said, Dylan, I think um if he can just you know, if he can get his head right in terms of um knowing when to dish off the ball, I think he could be a, a pretty decent player at this level. Whether he gets that chance or not, I'm not too sure. Sort of noticed that he, he he burns the ball a lot. There was a couple of kicks going inside fifty that just got nowhere near the target. Yeah. His first half, I thought, was fantastic. His second half was uh, was a bit poor. But he did get a lot of baby the ball. steps, baby steps. Um, I, he's a weird one because we sort of play him as a as a forward, mm. but he's more of a midfielder at a NFL level. He's a yeah, real inside sort of beast, but he doesn't really have the physicality for it at AFL did you, level. Did you make comment on Andrew Moore as well, Dylan? Uh, I didn't mention him, but he is worth mentioning. He. Um, only because Porsche said agree with Dylan on Moore and Sam Gray. Does he favour lose? Does he favour losing half the list? I, <laughs> she, I, didn't mention I think Moore. she's that's... having a, a swipe. At I think that's a bit comment. of a bite back. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Fire up, Porsche. <laughs> that's it, Porsche. Just, just Sammy Gray. I'm only cutting one from the rookie list. All right, I'm not trading our prime movers. <laughs> Well, talking about rookie listers, and I don't think Andrew Moore's a prime mover just yet, but um, Al also tweeted in earlier and asked the question about Nathan Cracker. Does he have to go back to the rookie list this week? 
with Frampton coming back? Uh, on face value, I would think that would be a yes. But whether they can make a deal similar to what St Kilda did, where Sam Gray goes back onto the rookie list and Cracker takes Polek's spot, that could be a possibility. I was going to say, that, would have, that could have been a bit of a backfire for us, um, elevating Sam Gray, couldn't it, if, uh, if it's going to hold uh, Cracker from staying on the list? Not if they considered Sam Gray to be you know, you know, worthy of a spot in the side, which they obviously did. Mm. Yeah. Look, I, I want to do something um, which Ant Bear on Bigfooty did um, in the review thread, which was uh, list 22 questions. I don't have 22 questions, but Jesus. I've listed some of Thank his you. main <laughs> ones here. Just just a handful of his main ones and a couple um, of others as well, because um, I reckon this is a great idea. Uh, the first question I've got is, was that the best game Brad Ebert has played for Port Adelaide? No. Uh, Sydney uh, last year. Yeah. Well, I reckon with- this was better than the Sydney game. No, I reckon he had a couple of better crackers last year. Okay. That was against better enough. opposition, away, shut down yeah. Josh Kennedy, got 40 touches. That was, no, nah, not enough to debate. I reckon there was a couple other ones too, Dylan. I'm with you with the Sydney one, but I reckon there was a few others last year. In the, before, because yeah. he, he must have been injured after that Sydney game because his performance went right down, but the first 11 games, he was just on fire. So, yeah, and no. Before Robbie Gray was really hitting his straps, it was all Brad Ebert BNF talk. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, everyone was really true. getting around him. Yeah, no, he had so a big start to the year. That's just an outrageous question. Next, <laughs> next question: uh, the injury to Ryder meant that we went back to our 2014 structure. Is there something in that performance, or is it a, a bit of a correlation causation fallacy? Correlation causation. Last week, look, you can look at last week and the way we had no forward structure. And you could point out the same thing last year. Um, I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's right. I think it's the coaches um, sort of adjusting to setting them up and actually having more than two tall forwards to work with. And Westhoff's yep. a weird one because he's not really a yeah, not really a traditional key forward. But I guess neither is Ryder. I think the coaches just have to sort it out because they've never they've never had anyone other than just Jay Shields as a, as a full time key forward. Yeah. Yeah, I reckon causa- Paddy would have dominated that game. Yeah, causation fellatio for me too, Macca. I reckon, um, <laughs> reckon Ryder would have had a good game this week. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah I, I, I wouldn't... It's that... It's, I think, yeah, the main What's insinuation so of that argument is... Fuck off, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> the main um, insinuation of that argument is that um, we can't play Ryder, which is... Or we can't fit Ryder and Westhoff in the same team, which I, I think is really untrue. Um, yeah. They just need time to work it out and work out the proper structure. And we have to be playing good as well. Um, you, you can't just say the last few weeks it hasn't worked because the whole team hasn't worked. Yeah. You, know, you can't really just single out one thing. <clears throat> there weren't many people complaining when um, when we tore Hawthorne apart and you know all our key no. fours kicked about 12 goals between them against the Crows. So. No, no. Yeah, I think it's horses for courses, and you know, unfortunately, the last couple of weeks they haven't really delivered. But that doesn't mean that um, they won't ever deliver. And yeah, I reckon Paddy would have had a ripper game. Um, now onto some of Ant Bear's questions. Um, the first one: When will Travis Boat be recognised as the best skipper in the league? When Joel Selwood retires. <laughs> I was going to say when Luke Hodge retires. Never. When Scott Pendlebury retires. No. He doesn't no. play for. I don't think. Victorian. I don't think we're ever going to have a. Best player in the league, recognised across any yeah 
no no best defender, no best forward, no best midfielder. No brown loads. Yeah. It just doesn't seem to happen for us. We don't get the press. No. That it won't happen. And he'll have to leave and go to Hawthorne or whatever. But, I mean, and he's, <laughs> never, he's never going to do that. So we know he's the best captain in the league. That's all that matters. Yeah. That's it. Next question. Why was Matthew Broadbent dropped, then brought back in despite not playing a game? Good question. <laughs> well, I heard, I heard a rumour... Um, too many darts. Somebody, no, that he, yeah, too many darts. <laughs> but, and he threw the excessive amount of darts that he injured his shoulder. So, um, yeah. So Macca told me that one. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Rick. Inside source. <laughs> so, uh, who bloody knows? But it worked. Well, obviously, maybe it was that he was rested. You know, that was the whole point. Rest him, have the break, then then uh, come back and he was fine. So took, uh, took the Sunday off to sign the new contract and forgot that there was a game of footy on. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Whatever it was, it uh, certainly worked because he, he was uh, he was fantastic and best game he's played all year and one of the best games he's ever played. I thought. Absolutely. Next question: Will Angus Monfries be remembered as an Essendon player or a Port player? He's already a port player in my mind. Is this I by us or the media or? Well, yeah, I guess in the end it probably depends who you ask. I think well, people in Victoria will probably remember him yeah. as a as a bombers man. If he wins a premiership, I think most people will then end up you know calling him a port man. But if it, if he ever didn't open mic, you know it'd be all about Essendon. I mean, watch Gavin, oh, yeah. Gavin Wanganin's yeah. one. I reckon they talked about Port Adelaide about I don't know for about a minute. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's it. But I think we all and consider look, Gavin just, Wanganina a port, a port man. So, back to the game for for a minor second, and um, you know it was his two hundredth game, and I thought he was one of the best on ground as well. He kicked three goals, had three assists. He's had a ripper year, I think, Angus Monfries, and he deserves more credit than what he gets. Yep, got no time for the people who are slagging him off at the start of the year. Uh, he does such a good defensive job when he's not when he's not attacking, and you can see when he is played as just a pure forward. You know, he kicks goals, he gets around the packs. He's yeah, he's a he's a good lead up option. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's been fantastic oh, he this is. year. And yeah. he was very good. He was very good in the game. First and he's a good poker player too. Yeah, very good poker player. Good, good uh, that'll, that'll be his life after footy, I reckon. Good fishing. Well, I don't know, I haven't taken him fishing, so I've got no idea. <laughs> uh is Carl Amon going to continue our tradition of picking late draft gems? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, you'd think so. Um, who have we got? Westoff, Robbie Gray. Well, that entire draft is just unbelievably good. Um, yeah, who else is there? <laughs> who else for our late picks? Cam O'Shea. Bobby Carlisle. 52. Bobby Cam Carlisle. Not, not a tradition per se, but I think we do all right with the late picks. Yeah, I think he'll be... David Roden. Fantastic. Yeah, does that count? Tom Jonas. Yeah, Jonas. What do you reckon, Rick? I reckon it's too early to tell, but he's heading in the right uh, direction, and I, I do like good. it. I do he's like got, his game. He's got the yeah. character, and he's got the the skills, and he's got the composure at um, AFL level. You can say that. Was he two games sub, and then he played a full game? Yeah. Ah, uh, correct. Yeah. So this probably jades me a little bit because I don't get why he gets two games sub and then gets a full game and then you've got our mate Arch who gets a couple of games sub and then gets relegated because he needs a full game. Um, that's uh, that's Different an issue. Sort of player, though. 
Yeah, well, that's um, that's an issue for me, but uh, only because I thought Brendan oh, deserved, a, deserved a full game as well. So, and it's all about opportunities, and you know, Amon's had his opportunity and taken it, and Arch had his opportunity and didn't get the the opportunity at the same time. So, uh, I hope he does become another draft gem, and uh, time will tell in a couple of years. I mean. Who would have forecasted that O'Shea would be in a pretty average form at this point in time of the season last year? Well, True. who would have forecasted that he'd turn into a first 22 and a absolute gun player for a couple of years there? You know, he, yep. he's been a bit up and down. You can't really call these things. It's a fair no, call you can't. Well. Next question, will Chad Wingard be as good as Robbie Gray? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you can see when he's, he's playing up the ground... This year more Wingard, and he he's getting his twenty touches, two goals. He's got the consistent stat line, and he keeps doing the freakish stuff. Um, yeah, no doubt. I reckon he'll be as good as Robbie Gray. He could definitely be a shot for our first Brownlow if Robbie doesn't get there. I think, Do you the think Chad Wingard's consistency counts against him a little bit. Yeah. How, how we does. expect we expect him to do too much when he's already doing a lot? Is that what you mean? No, I think more that I think he's in. Possible All Australian form this year, but no one yeah. has really spoken about him at all in the media, and I don't think many people outside of poor people would realise that he is averaging close to you know twenty touches and two goals a game. But it's, and I think that sort of holds against him a little bit, where he doesn't have that sort of you know sporadic huge you know thirty touch four goal game, for example. It's always very you know very bang on his average. Needs to start winning games off his own boot, like the showdowns and stuff. I think so. I think he's set the standard so high, especially in his second season, that um, I think everyone's just expected him to make this uh, rapid improvement uh, again. So his steady consistency, as he said, Mac, has been over, overlooked and uh, maybe they're expecting him to be a 30-possession-a-game player and kicking a couple of goals already. I don't know, but... Um, but I think I, I love Chad. I think he's a fantastic player for Port, and I think he could even become a um, a better player than Robbie Gray. Yeah, All right, that's fair. Next question: Is Jarman Impey the long term uh, replacement for Kane Corns? Uh, no, not really. Fancy yeah, was more of so a either. small small forward or down defender, not a run with. Do we even need a replacement for Kane? No, like probably like, not at like this stage. Like. Yeah, we don't really have a like for like sort of. I actually, I actually like the idea of maybe trialing Paul Stewart. If his Absolutely. tank, if his if his tanks up to it, and this came up because of who's going to mark Bontempelli, but with the midfielders now becoming such tall midfielders, Fife is one ninety, Bontempelli's what one ninety two or whatever, Paul Stewart's one ninety one. If he's got the tank to run with them. Um, yeah, and he does play that defensive forward role for us quite well also. Um, yeah, I think Paul Stewart could be the guy that we need to, if we want to play a tagger, that could be the one. Um, yeah, actually, Paul, Paul Stewart um, on him. Uh, his biggest fan, Stewart to Austin, a.k.a. <laughs> Stormageddon, a.k.a. S.A. Cross, a.k.a. Names. who even knows anymore. Um, <laughs> yeah, he... Asked me to bring him up. So, yeah, do you guys think he'll, he'll stay on the team next week? Do you reckon he did enough? I think so. Mm, I thought Ryder's back. Is there anyone to come back next week? Ryder? 
Right. No, so I don't. Re- I don't reckon he's going to be back this week. Reading the media. Nah. If if we have to, if we're bringing someone back who's bona fide twenty two, or if Andrew Moore comes in or something, um, would you drop him or Sam Gray? Well, I think oh, Sam yeah. Gray would have to go first. Yeah. I think because I think, I think Sam Stewart... Gray might have to go because of the rookie issue. So. Yeah. Yeah, I'd well, take I mean, that over him. Paul was pretty unlucky. He had one goal robbed from him. Uh, he kicked a goal. And I think he was completely spent in the last quarter that he kicked that uh, shot and goal out of bounds on the full. So, I mean, really, he probably could have had three, potentially four goals. And then this even wouldn't be coming up. So, mm. I, right. uh, I, and I think he also played a very defensive, forward orientated game. So, so, a bit like what you were saying about Angus Mumphrey, sometimes those. Um, those games don't get recognised like they should. Yeah. That's that's a good question from Porsche on Twitter. Um, how old is Paul Stewart, Rick? Do you think he has it in him to learn a new role again well, and take over for another two years before he retires or whatever? Well, what is he? He's 27. He's contracted to the end of next year. Um, I can't see why Paul couldn't play for... Uh, three seasons potentially as a tagger, if that's what we wanted. As I uh, as I said before, um, I would put a asterisk next to his tank and whether his tank is big enough to be able to do the role. That's all. It wouldn't be. Um, he's done forward tagging before and done pretty well at it, um, thinking back to 2012. Um, but yeah, I probably wouldn't want him as a tagger, to be honest. I'd rather put the effort into Tom Cleary, who's younger and has the uh, has the tank. We know he's got the tank to you know, run out a full game in the midfield. So, yeah, I'd probably put more time into him right. if I was wanting to go for a taller option as a tagger. Yeah, John Brayshaw said his best five were both Gray, Eva, Homsch, and Mumphreys. Again, nice, pretty consistent. I think good choices. Yep. Yeah, that was really Indeed. solid sort of top eight sort of guys. You could just pick from any of them. Are we doing the Who Am I this week, Macca? We sure are. Do you want to do it now? Yeah, again, like last week, um, we need uh, someone to call in and then I'll ask the question. I'm being tricky. Being very tricky, Rick. Is there a recap of the previous clues? Yeah, Macca writes them down. What are they, Macca? (laughs) Well, I haven't written them down, but thanks very much, Rick. Uh, (laughs) Has played... (laughs) Played an AFL game for Port. Um, was on the list for seven years. And was on the list before and or including 2005. Yes. I know who this is. Well, you can't guess because you're actually one of the hosts. <laughs> so if you have a shot or you want a shot, give us a call and we will do the Who Am I? And uh, see if you're right. It. And you can message yes. me who you think, Dylan. Whilst we are waiting, we might as well uh, move on and talk about the SANFL. Uh, obviously, Port played Glenelg at Albert and Oval on Sunday and came away with a, an eight point victory 13 goals, 5 to 11 goals, 9. Uh, Mitch Harvey and Jakey Knee kicked three goals each, whilst Aaron Young. Uh, Jesse Palmer and Johan Wagner kicked two. 
Uh, we started on fire, four goals, three to nothing at quarter time. We led by 43 points at half time. Uh, but then Glenelg slowly started to work their way back into the game, and um, you know they had a few chances pretty late to uh, to steal this one. Hmm. Yes, they did. It was uh, very interesting. Why did we tire out, Macca? I don't know. I'm not sure if we uh, we just sort of relaxed a little bit and uh, thought we had the game won and. Um, but, you know, we it certainly wasn't a, a very good second half, that's for sure. Yeah, you know, we, we did sort of struggle, and we struggled to get it out of the middle a little bit, and you know, our skills went away, and we were starting to give away a few sort of stupid free kicks, and, you know, it was just one of those games in the end. Was it, We had a few extra academy players through injury as well, I guess, didn't we? Yeah, there was a few younger guys that played, Jonathan Ross, um, you know, Beemans, uh, Sawford, um, I think... Yeah, that's about it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, and our midfield's a little bit light in the seniors at the moment. So, uh, yeah, maybe that was part of the reason we ran out of steam. Uh, had it, obviously, I didn't get to, get to the game and it wasn't broadcasted. They had the thrilling Eagles-Sturt match on instead. So um, Wonderful. <laughs> uh, so I did work around the house instead. But uh, I noticed uh, Jared, Jared Redden put in a, a massive performance, which I think is very uh, heartening for all us supporters that he is now starting to make some, some good progress. Yeah, good signs. That was his best game for the year to date, no doubt. Yeah. Do you reckon he'll be in line to get a, another game this year? or? I was can't really see him getting a game I was pretty ahead of Lobie or Ryder. I, I didn't think he should have been selected when he was. Um, I can no, understand was, the reason behind it, was but um, he just wasn't ready for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't actually see it. I thought we'd continue with Butcher, because I thought he was all right in the first game. No worse mm. than the other, other two guys. Mm. But yeah, Well, we paid the price for it. I think it was more that we wanted Ryder to play up forward, and then Redden could ruck, but I think they overestimated... Um, Redden's ability to run out an AFL game at this point. Yeah, what do you got, like three touches, three hit-outs, something like that? Yeah, it wasn't good. It wasn't, it was a good, good. Uh, wasn't good at all. But, uh, you know, he'll improve, and I think he's got a lot of talent. And, you know, I think uh, next year we'll, we'll probably see a bit more of Jared Redden at AFL level, but um, you never know. Was uh, Mitch, Mitch Harvey played up in the forward line this week? He did, yep. He played uh, predominantly up forward, and you know he was uh, he was one of the stars. He was one of the absolute yeah. stars. You know, I think he had seven touches and you know, kicked three goals. He's kicked multiple goals, I think, for about four or five weeks in a row now. So, you know, he's he's yeah. starting to put together some interesting form. Yeah, fourteen touches, seven marks. That's that's a decent stat line. That's probably better than it Butcher's is. done over the last year or so. Sorry, Oscorcho. Do you reckon he has the tank to run out an AFL game at all this year? Like maybe he wanted to give nah, Schultz, probably not. Schultz a rest. We could play him. So, so do you reckon he, he'd go worse than worse or better than how Redden ran the game out? No, probably yeah, just, bad. just as bad. I don't know. I reckon yeah, Mac has I'm... got more chance of running out a game. <laughs> that's uh, yeah, that's never going to happen. <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah, I'm so not no, sure. I don't think he does. Maybe if we, we start him as sub, which would be pretty unusual to start a, a key forward as sub, but or, or maybe start him on the ground with the with the view of subbing him out at halftime. I don't think he's got the repeat running in him to uh, to last at AFL level for a full game. Um, not this year anyway. Hopefully he can improve that in, uh, maybe next year. But, um, you know, 
interesting form, as I said. You know, he's kicked multiple goals uh, for a lot of weeks now, and you know, this is what we want. This is what we need is uh, is another player sort of uh, starting to push um, to put some pressure on the key forwards, I guess. Unfortunately, Mason Shaw had a, another quiet game and you know, spent some time in the ruck, but um, you know, just wasn't his day. And you know, hopefully, he can start to put together some some decent form as well. Yeah, I really hate that sort of lack of any balance that we have with our key forwards. It's it's all youth, and then it then it's straight up to thirty year olds. Yeah. So it's sort of it sort of sucks in a way that we've um, had such a a good last few years because we haven't had the chance to sort of gift them games and develop them. Yeah. So well, we've had the opportunity. We just chose not to. I mean, Mason Shaw was in pretty good form last year, and we chose not to do it. He wasn't yeah. ready. And and Cleary yeah, as he well. He might not have been ready, but you never know. You know, a little taste of AFL might have done him the world of good. But could have given mm. some experience to Cleary as well when we had no defence at all during the middle of yeah. last year. That's it. Aaron Young played uh, another ripper game. He was probably best on ground. He had eleven tackles, twenty-two touches. Um, you know, was was big around the bowl and kicked two goals as well. And you know, he must be pushing for selection as well. Yeah, it's just standard for Youngie. I think he's probably, what, our 20, 23rd, 24th sort of best player. Mm. If if someone's injured in the midfield, he'll be the first guy to step up. Yeah. If not, well, Kane Mitchell. <laughs> Finbar was a big fan of Andrew Moore's game and thought that he's ready and should be the uh, the next cab off the rank. Yeah, I've heard mixed reports about um, Andrew Moore's game. I mean, there was a lot of people that thought he was good. There was a lot of people that thought he was a little bit wasteful, didn't do all that much. But you look at his stats, I mean, 10 clearances, that's always fantastic. And he's got to be pretty close, and I'd love to see him back in the side just to see what he can do. And, you know, for some reason I hold out hope for Andrew Moore that he's going to be this uh, this great sort of second-string midfielder at AFL level. But whether that happens or not, I'm not too sure. But you never know. Hopefully he can... Um, you know, hopefully he can uh, get into the side sometime soon and see what he's got. Absolutely. So no one's courageous enough to call in tonight, Macca. Disappointing, Rick. Disappointing. This is can why I, I said it, they had to call in I, first. Can I give an answer for someone? Uh, Stuart Austin <laughs> is um, face, Facebook messaging me and he says he doesn't have Skype because he's just completely hopeless. Um, he's got an answer. Can I give that for him? No. He has to call in. Yes. He has to call Tough That is it. You have to call. No tweets, no Facebook comments. They'll all be ignored and deleted. And you'll be banished forever. It has to be a call because we want people to call in. That's it. Porsche's tweeted in about uh, Mitch Harvey and she's uh, all for giving Harvey a game um, as a bit of a motivator, if nothing else. If he kills it in the SANFL, he will learn that speed of the game. And look, yeah, we've got a call. We have a call. Cool. Alex Hale. Alex. Alex. Hello, how are you going? Good, good. Man. Thanks for calling in. No All worries. Right. Thought I'd have a stab in the dart. I'll give you one more clue. Yep. Uh, you could have uh, thought that he, he would have been primarily a midfielder, so he his height was under <laughs> 185 centimetres. <laughs> right. Uh, let me think here. How about Roger James? Roger the Dodger? Did he retire that that early? Yeah, I think so. Um, no. No. 
It isn't, but Maka better add him to the list. No Roger James. No Roger James. Oh, well. Yeah, he was Sorry, on the list mate. for nine years. Oh, is it? Uh, yeah. There you go. And just very quickly, oh, before uh, Maka hangs up on you, what was your, who were your top three for the game? Uh, my top three would have been um, Gray, Homps and Boke. Yeah, With nice. a special mention to Mumphreys, I think he played pretty well, especially at the start of the game. Yeah. Good work. Good call. Thanks for calling in, Alex. No Cheers, worries. Mate. Good work. Thanks I'll for listening. Try again. Yep, we will do. Cheers. Cheers, buddy. I'm still waiting for Mr. Speaker to send us a selfie with the gear that he got, too. What do you got? I'm putting a shout-out to Mr. Speaker. I want to see where my money went. So, come on. Cough up a picture. Well, should we call it a night? We should. I'm excited for this week's game. Me, too. It's now become you reckon, huge. Dylan? What's up? Are we going to win this week? Uh, yep. Uh, we win every week, if you ask me. <laughs> Who have we got? Western Bulldogs. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hopefully they have a blip. They've been a bit up and down. They've, they've got massive upside, like, when you see how good they can play. But Yeah. Yeah, I hope, I hope we do what um, Hawthorne did to them in Tasmania. Just really roll over them. And after this week's sort of form, I hope, yeah, I think we can. I think we can really get up over them. Maybe... Seven goal win to us. Nice. I like Good it. Good work. Good stuff. All right, boys. Well, Have a great night. Until next Thanks time. Thanks for everyone listening in. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks for having me, boys. Awesome. Kind of pit. Pit. Uh, <laughs>